Welcome to Spirit Speak, exploring the afterlife with Connie and Barry Strom. Your hosts are here to speak the words of the spirits and answer your questions. Now, here are Connie and Barry. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Spirit Speak, exploring the afterlife. I'm Barry Strom, your host. I apologize we haven't been able to have live shows the last couple of weeks, but Connie and I have been recovering from COVID. And let me tell you, it's a it's a very serious illness. If you get any signs of it, make sure you get to the doctor right away because uh, it really put us on our backs for a while. Anyway, hopefully we'll get to be able to get through the show without a coughing spell. But it's probably improbable. Uh, we think that we have one of the most unique shows on radio. I use my gift of spirit communication to talk to dead people and educate all who's going to listen to the miracle of the afterlife. Currently have over 520 videos on our YouTube channel. We cover all aspects of the paranormal and life after death. The channel's in my name, Barry Strom. And I'm Connie Strom, your co-host. On the last live show, we channeled the spirits of three wonderful World War II heroes, James Stewart, Audie Murphy, and President John Kennedy. It's available in our show archives, and we highly recommend it. Today, we're going to speak with the spirits of three of the most intelligent individuals that ever lived, Albert Einstein, Leonardo da Vinci, and Stephen Hawking. We have some very interesting questions for them now that they're on the other side. We're going to start out our show today by speaking with the spirit of Leonardo da Vinci. He was born in 1452 and died in 1519 at the age of 67. His incredible talent and intellect include work as a painter, an engineer, a scientist, a sculptor, and an architect. His work on the Mona Lisa is arguably the most famous artwork of all times. Okay, thank you so much for joining us this morning, Leonardo. Uh, You only received the most basic and informal education. How is it possible that you could accomplish so much with such a basic education? Well, there is really only one answer to that, and it's because of God's gift. In those days, keep in mind that it was very difficult to get an education. There were very few public schools. You had to be taught by tutors. It took Your family had to have a lot of money. And... Most people just simply needed all they needed to do to raise a family. And most of that entailed working on farms. Agriculture was very important. There was some trade. But keep in mind, we were at the beginning of what is referred to as the Renaissance period. Prior to the years where I lived, it was the Dark Ages. There was very little education. The church was the basis for everything. It was not until, oh, the 1500s that individuals started to differ from some of the doctrines of the Catholic Church. Uh, Martin Luther began the Reformation. Different religions started to take place. But God gave me this incredible gift. Not even I understood it totally, but it certainly was 
an amazing gift. And that's the only reason we could do what we did. How did your belief in God affect your work? Well, there are several prongs to that story. When I lived, most of the artwork was dedicated to concepts of God, of Jesus, of his life, of the angels. Religion was the main subject matter. If you look back, you won't see that many landscapes, or you will see some portraits of important people. But the Catholic Church basically controlled your belief in God. They told you what to believe in. They told you what not to believe in. And our artwork pretty much reflected that. As time went on, we started to draw away from some of the church concepts. We would incorporate more landscape, more images, more portraits. But we, we basically centered most of what we did in the early years around religious works. As you said, you were a member of the Catholic Church. Were there any teachings of the Catholic Church that you doubted? Yes. In the beginning, I, as I, when I was young, I was more inclined to accept a lot of the things that they talked about. I realized that there were some very, very difficult things to understand. I had trouble with the concept of Adam and Eve, especially of Noah and the flood. I didn't realize the mechanics of how something like that would take place. There were as I became deeper and deeper in my studies, I realized that there were more things, more problems than what I had originally conceived of. I didn't agree with the church that they were the only, that they were probably the only route. I realized that there were many people who didn't believe in the Catholic Church. And I had trouble conceiving that they would not be able to get into heaven because they weren't Catholic. So the more that I studied, the more that I learned, the more that I realized that there were differences with the church. But I also realized that there was a huge difference between God and the Catholic Church. Did you ever believe it was better to be a philosopher than a Christian? There were times that I did believe that, and those were words that I spoke. I thought that ancient philosophy held the key to much of what was taking place in the world around me. I felt that the more that you studied philosophy, the more that you had the opportunity to truly understand what God meant for humans. I felt that there were many things that the Christian church taught that were a problem. I felt that it would be, that it would be very difficult to conceive of the hell of the Catholic church. 
it seems as I, the more that I tried to apply reason to the church, the more that I thought that perhaps being a philosopher would play a larger role in my life. You lived during the High Renaissance, as you said, and that was a period of immense intellectual change. How were you affected by the talented people around you? Very much. It was a wonderful time. I was surrounded by great talents. In those days, you would apprentice. There would be masters of art, of, of different types of works. And that you would be given an apprenticeship to these wonderful people. They would teach you what they knew, and you would support them in their work. It was a time of change. It was a time that there were individuals around us that absolutely had the ability to change the direction of mankind. Their talents were unbelievable, and their intellectual levels were far above those that had lived in previous generations. Okay. As we've been saying, when you were alive, you were gifted with an incredible level of intelligence. Does that high level of perceptiveness continue to exist in your soul when, when you're in heaven? It does when you're on a high level in heaven. Individuals in the higher realms of heaven have got higher levels of, shall we say, perceptiveness. They've served God many times. They've helped others. They've learned the lessons. So even though they are spirit energies, the perceptiveness of an individual in the seventh level, for instance, is incredibly greater than an individual that is in the second level. As you advance, you maintain your perceptiveness. When I was sent back by God, I was a member of the seventh, I lived in the seventh level of heaven. And my life plan included a perceptiveness and intelligence that had truly not been recorded in previous times. Now, there were other individuals, such as Plato, Socrates, that had intellectual levels that were comparable with mine. But the difference in time period allowed me to investigate different areas. So you are, if you are in an upper level, then you do truly have that increased perceptiveness that I refer to as to intelligence. Uh, it's been 700 years since you lived your life as Leonardo. During that time, you've observed the evolution of humans. Do you think humans have advanced philosophically during that time? That is a very difficult question. Humans have advanced philosophical as their informational basis has increased. Humans are now more perceptive of what takes place around them than they were in earlier times. However, there is, I think, a basic level of human philosophy that 
has been basically maintained. If you look at humans, in many respects, philosophically, they're not much different than they were thousands of years ago. They still want to steal. They want to fight. They want to have wars. They want to conquer. They want to have slaves. Now, many of those things have been tempered through time, but you're still seeing humans as being very, very aggressive. If they do not change, and I think that basic core has not changed, then there will definitely be problems in the future. Do you think humans have become closer to God during that period? Yes and no. I think people or individuals have have come to understand God better through that time period. But keep in mind, for the 1,500 years after Jesus walked the earth, humans were controlled by the Catholic Church. So they were under much deeper influence of the church. As humans have become educated, they have often grown away from religious institutions. That is not necessarily a good thing, but it is a fact. The religious institutions have got to grow with humans. In certain instances, they have not. So that is a problem. In what ways do you think scientific methods conflict with a belief in God? Scientific method deems that everything must be proved. God cannot be proven. He doesn't want to be proven. He wants it to be a matter of faith. Scientific method has very little to do with faith. So there's obviously a great divergence there. What do you think has to take place for humans to move closer to God? I would hope that education would do it, but it doesn't seem to be taking place by education alone. Perhaps humans have got to fear their own destinies. Perhaps they have to fear that they will be wiped off from the face of the earth from the weapons that they have discovered. So it's a it's a difficult situation. Is that possible as humans gain more technologies and advance scientifically? There's a huge difference between possibility and probability. True. If you had your life to relive, would you make any changes in it? I think that I would try to rely a little bit more on religious doctrine and a little bit more on psychology, but I did accomplish much and I was well judged when I returned. And I feel that I've helped many, many people for hundreds of years. So there would probably not be a whole lot that I would change in my life. Good. What do you believe is the greatest weakness in the philosophical advancement of humans in the last 2000 years? The human belief that they know everything as you watch from the other side you will become more convinced that the more humans learn the more they don't know 
humans have great egos and until they can overcome those egos philosophically their advancement will be very difficult indeed as you watch what's taking place in our modern world do you see any opportunity for humans to live peacefully together i think the threat of total destruction is what will probably drive them to living peacefully together that is generally what happens with the other great cultures in the in the universe they realize that if they do not change they will no longer exist and that is generally the motivation that finally brings them closer to the realities of what they need to know yeah so leonardo if you were prime minister of israel today how would you respond to the hamas attack and how would you approach peace you have to differentiate between the great members of the muslim religion and the terrorists that are taking over control of certain areas of the Middle East. The terrorists that you saw with those incidents are like animals. The individuals that follow the Muslim faith are absolutely wonderful, peaceful people, and you must differentiate between the two. The great countries of the Middle East need to support the Palestinians. Today, they are simply left to be dead weight around the neck of the Israelis. Thank you so much for joining us again, Leonardo. Do you have a final message for our listeners? Yes. Once again, thank you for allowing me to speak. I always enjoy coming through. I always enjoy speaking with you. And I enjoy the respect that the two of you show to me. I appreciate the opportunity and maybe sometime my ideas might be able to help others. I lived in a difficult time, but you're living in very difficult times now. Sometimes things change and sometimes they don't. So thank you very much for allowing me to come through. I appreciate it. And should you ask me, I'd be happy to return. Thank you. Okay, let's take a short break. And when we come back, we're going to channel with Albert Einstein. Connie and Barry will be back after a few words from our sponsors. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Is death the end of the journey of the soul or a time of new beginnings? Is there proof of an afterlife? What would historic figures say if they lived today? Psychic and channeler Barry Strom uses his gift of spirit communication to answer these questions and explore all aspects of the hereafter. Have all the information necessary not to fear life's final journey. Tune in to Spirit Speak, exploring the afterlife with Connie and Barry Strom. Tuesdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Psychic and author Barry Strom has now published nine books dealing with supernatural subject from ghosts to aliens. 
his most recent books, Messages of God and Messages of the Prophet Muhammad for a Modern World, bring you the channeled messages of the founders of Christianity and Islam. Their words are intended to guide their followers through these modern times. These books are available in softcover and ebook on Amazon.com. Signed copies of all of Strom's books are available on his website, www.barrystrom.com. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to Spirit Speak, exploring the afterlife. Here are your hosts, Connie and Barry Strom. Welcome back, everybody. I hope you enjoyed that first segment with, with the spirit of Leonardo da Vinci. I thought it was incredibly interesting. Now, continuing with our show, we're going to channel with one of the great modern intellectuals, Albert Einstein. He was born in 1879, died in 1955. One of the greatest physicists of our time. He played a major role in the development of the atomic bomb. So, Connie, let's begin. Welcome back, Albert. Uh, how did the First World War affect your political beliefs? I thought that it was an absolute waste of human talent. The brutality of the First World War shook me to the core. I felt that the League of Nations would be able to control the destiny of the world going forward. I truly hope that the, the humans understood that violence, such terrible violence, was not the way forward for people. I became much of a pacifist in what I believe. I tried to do my best in order to lead individuals towards living a life where they would help others. I felt that there was hope in pacifism. As time went on, I realized that there were many things that were not right in the world. I was Jewish. I saw Hitler starting to gain power. I understood that I was looking at pure evil with him. I migrated out of Germany. I came to the United States. And there was a time that I fully understood that pacifism was not going to stop him. Yeah, throughout your life, you were a pacifist, yet instrumental in working on the atomic bomb. How do you explain your participation in bomb research? I knew that it was going to become a race of life and death between the countries. I warned President Roosevelt at the beginning that Hitler was working on an atomic bomb. I volunteered. I knew that the penalties of developing such a weapon were going to be terrible. But I also knew that if we didn't develop such a weapon first, that Hitler would. It was, I was so torn, but 
I had to put the realities of what was taking place as my priorities. As you're just saying, you were born Jewish and you saw the horrors of Hitler during the Holocaust. We've just witnessed another attack upon the Jewish people. Do you see any hope for peace in the Middle East? I fear in the short term, no. As God says all the time, hatred brings hatred. Anger brings anger. When the terrible brutalities of several weeks ago took place, I realized that the Jewish people would respond and that this would not simply be something that would be passed over. There's going to be a a period of terrible violence. Many people are going to die, both Israeli and Palestinian. If the other countries rush to jump in and participate, feeling that this is their chance, their opportunity, then there will be incredible violence coming forward. After periods of intense violence, individuals have the opportunity to look back and see what they can do to move forward. Families will be torn apart throughout the world in this. The Jewish people have to be able to defend themselves. There are people that want simply to kill every Jew on the face of this earth. There has to be a common ground, and I have no idea how you reach that common ground. Perhaps it is such it is by having such brutality on both sides that both sides realize that there is only one way to coexist. As Leonardo mentioned, the great civilizations in the Milky Way have learned that their capabilities to wipe themselves from the face of the earth need to be overcome by the simple teachings that God tells all of us. So it will not be until the violence reaches such a point that the parties involved come to the realities of the simple conclusion that coexistence is the answer. If you were the Prime Minister of Israel, how would you react to Hamas? I would defend my people. Just the same as I worked to defend the free world during World War II by creating such a weapon, I would do what I need to assure that the people of my country were safe. I do not think that any of the leaders on either side understand what is going to have to take place for that to happen. But we are over here and we are trying to guide the leadership, both of the terrorists and of the Israeli people. And hopefully there will be a time that the light of peace will shine upon them. Indeed. What was your opinion of Mahatma Gandhi? 
I thought Mahatma was a wonderful individual. We were friends. He was the true pacifist. He was the individual that proved that you could bring results in a peaceful manner. India was under British control, and he proved that it would be possible to come forward and to gain independence by peaceful means. He should be studied by every intellectual that intends to govern today. That's a good thought. <clears throat> Do you see any successful pathway for pacifism in our modern world? Yes. Many people think that if they riot, if they create violence, that they are going to gain what they want to gain. What that does is set off a chain reaction of anger and violence on opposing what they want. I think that if everybody stepped back and used a peaceful means to try to pursue what they would like to pursue, then that they would find that perhaps violence isn't always needed. What do you see as the greatest threat to the modern democracies of the world? Hmm. What I see at this current time is radicalism. Now, radicalism can have many definitions. It can be the people that killed the babies in Israel. It can be the individuals that are just simply trying to undermine world order. There are governments out there, such as China and Russia, such as Iran, that want to build ultimate power. China and Russia are different from Iran in that they do not have the radicalized religious movement in their country, but they're every bit as dangerous. Undermining world order will lead to the disruption of all of the normalities that we expect from the world governments. <clears throat> if it would be possible for the governments to understand that there are limitations to what world order will allow, and that there will always be a time where individuals will step forward and fight for freedoms. Obviously, the only way that this is going to happen is if people accept the words of God. Sadly, as you look at what is taking place today, you see that there is much work for us to do to convince world governments, that there is truly only one way to peace. Okay, you once said that you did not believe in pers a personal God who concerns himself with fates and actions of human beings. Do you still believe this? No. I know now that there is totally a God. 
He comes in many, many different forms, and he tries to instill many, many different beliefs and actions in humans. I try to understand the concept of scientific proof. It is not until you truly get over here that you understand the concept of faith. Did you believe that you could have accomplished more, or do you believe that you could have accomplished more if you believed in God? I think that what I accomplished would have been different. I don't know if I could have accomplished more scientifically. I do know that I could have accomplished much more theoretically. And I do know that had I had a stronger belief in God, that I could have balanced the concepts of scientific proof and faith. What was the main reason that you doubted the existence of God? God is very good at not giving you proof. <laughs> God demands faith. I had a trouble as as intelligent as I was, I had problems understanding the concept between proof and faith. It was very difficult for me to accept anything on faith because I was simply always trying to prove things. So the absence of faith led me away at times from my true understanding of God. It wasn't until I returned that I truly understood what the presence of God and what was taking place around us. Today, drug addiction is a terrible problem. What would you do to handle the modern problem of drug addiction? Drug addiction is an incredible problem. The initial effects of drug use can be so minor that individuals do not realize that they're becoming addicted. For instance, many people use marijuana, and it doesn't, in certain individuals, bring about a total addiction, but it can lead to other drugs, and those other drugs can be incredibly dangerous. Keep in mind today that there are countries that are using illegal drugs as a weapon against the democracies. You're seeing this on your southern border. You're seeing this in the fentanyls. You're seeing this in the many, many different ways that drug addiction is being introduced into your country to lead to political turmoil. I would think that individuals have to be aware of making their own decisions and taking the risks that they're taking when they turn to illegal drugs. Drug addiction will ruin families. That is 100% guaranteed. Now that you're on the other side, what's your opinion of the multi-universe? There are indeed multiple dimensions around you. Heaven is a multiple dimension. 
the way that all of these dimensions tie in is is incredibly complicated and it is not something that i was ever capable of totally understanding but when you return you will realize just how complicated everything is around you would you discuss what physically took place at the resurrection of jesus and how that was possible under the physical laws of man what happened at the resurrection was not possible under the laws physical laws of man God can do whatever he wants. That was something I didn't truly understand. Any of the laws can be broken. God directed an incredible energy. And that incredible energy created a situation where Jesus became pure light and then became a physical form. It has never been done before. And I'm not sure it will ever be done again, but it was truly an absolute incredible miracle. Well, Albert, once again, we ran out of time before we ran out of questions for you. Mm. Um, do you have a final message for us? Yes. Humans have got to understand the balance between faith and proof. I always thought everything had to be proved, but now I know that most things can only be proven through faith. God has the ability to transform any of the physical laws that we deem untransformable. The resurrection is proof of that. It will not be until you truly understand the miracles of God and the faith that is required to totally understand his abilities that you will be able to advance, and that will not take place until you return to heaven. So I hope that some of my ideas have helped today. Thank you once again for allowing me to come through. And should you ask, I would be happy to return. We're definitely going to have to ask you to return. Thank you so much, Albert. Okay, let's take a short break. When we come back, Stephen Hawking is going to be the final guest on our show. Connie and Barry will be back after a few words from our sponsors. A little birdie told me Voice America is on X. Follow us at Voice America TRN. Psychic and author Barry Strom has now published nine books dealing with supernatural subject from ghosts to aliens. His most recent books, Messages of God and Messages of the Prophet Muhammad for a Modern World, bring you the channeled messages of the founders of Christianity and Islam. Their words are intended to guide their followers through these modern times. These books are available in softcover and ebook on Amazon.com. Signed copies of all of Strom's books are available on his website, www.barrystrom.com. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. Is death the end of the journey of the soul or a time of new beginnings? Is there proof of an afterlife? What would historic figures say if they lived today? Psychic and channeler Barry Strom uses his gift of spirit communication to answer these questions and explore all aspects of the hereafter. Have all the information necessary not to fear life's final journey. Tune in to Spirit Speak, exploring the afterlife with Connie and Barry Strom. 
Tuesdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Welcome back to Spirits Speak, exploring the afterlife. Have a question for Barry or their guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5788. That's 866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everybody. We're going to channel with the spirit of Stephen Hawking. He's one of our favorite guests. We've had him multiple times. Stephen was born in 1942 and died in 2018 at the age of 76. Possessed an incredible mind and worked in the area of physics and applied math. At the age of 21, he was diagnosed with a form of motor neuron disease that gradually paralyzed him over the decades. He is probably the best example of how a severe physical disability can become an incredible inspiration for others. So, Connie, let's start with Stephen. Stephen, thank you for coming back with us. What is the main reason that you doubted the existence of God? I think what my friends have already told you, that when you, your mind is scientifically oriented, mind was oriented towards math, physics, that we are trying to compile natural laws. Natural laws are proof of existence and how things work. When you're dealing with God, you're dealing with faith. I could never prove in my mind the existence of God. I was fighting this terrible illness. I wondered why, if there was a God, he would ever let such a thing happen to me. But when I returned home, I found out. So, faith, that is the key. So now that you are on the other side and have all this extra knowledge, what would you tell our listeners if you don't think there's a God? I would tell them that there is absolutely a God. The When we made up my life plan, he sent me back to be an inspiration to others. My life plan included this terrible illness. It was something that I had to fight. I fought it every day of my life until it took me. But I always did my best to act as a person that was setting an example. It was an incredible, incredibly difficult life plan. But I accomplished what I came back to do. And when I returned, I was greeted by the Holy Spirit, he told me how proud he was of me, of what I had accomplished. He said I might have been able to do a little better with uh, the belief thing, but I did act as an inspiration, and I do think that I have led many, many other people to not let physical, physical disabilities stop them. You absolutely did. Philosophically, do you see any way that humans can live in peace? I think the only way that humans will ever live in peace is if they face their own destruction. And I don't think they're that far away from it. But 
people are going to have to understand that if they do not live in peace, they will die in war. I think that it is probably that simple. Very good. Um, you did much work and research about the singularity theorem and how that might explain creation. Now that you're on the other side, is there a correlation between the two? The act of singularity is a very, very difficult concept. I thought that it was the key to creation. It is a partial key to creation, but it does not tie together the concept of how such incredible energies can come together into one place and create that singularity. The answer, obviously, to that is that the gods of the universe come together with their energies, and that is how they create that incredible, shall we say, Big Bang that is part of creation. But the, con the physical concept of singularity is but a small percentage of the concept of creation. Is there such a thing as a multidimensional universe? Absolutely. Heaven is one of the multi-dimensions. You are living in a, in a certain dimension, and you're aware of what takes place. Mm -hmm. But what you're not aware of is what takes place in the multiple dimensions that surround you. Hmm. It will not be until you move on to the other side and actually have to advance in the levels of heaven that you'll truly understand the, multi the multiple dimensional concepts of the universe. What is your concept of time, and is it ever possible for time to run backwards? <clears throat> time is an incredibly difficult concept to understand. When you talk about time, on Earth, everything is related to it. When you move into the other dimensions, time has a totally different relationship. In heaven, there's no time. In other dimensions, there's partial time. Time is like this spiral that you can pierce. You can go forward and back. Very complicated. And I can assure you, you are not totally going to understand it until you return. I totally believe that. In spite of your physical disabilities, as we said, you accomplished amazing things. Where did you find the drive for such accomplishments? I made up my mind that I had much to do. When I was diagnosed, it led me into this incredible depression, and I definitely had a hard time pulling out of it. But I think that my guides played a huge role here. Even though I did not understand what was taking place, I understood that I had much to do. I realized that I had a great mind that might seem a bit conceited, but yes, I could do things that other people could not mentally do. And I came to a realization that I could do the mental gymnastics required for me to live my life while living in a body that did not respond to my wishes. So it became an obsession. I tried to do as much as I could, as fast as I could, and I tried to make sure that I set an example for others. In 1963, 
you were diagnosed and only given two years to live. How did you ever overcome such news? It was the most difficult period of my time. But I figured that I studied the diagnosis and I thought that they were giving me bad information into how long it was going to take for this destructive disease to really take over. I did my best. I studied and I made up my mind that I was going to live one day at a time. That each day I had, I was going to accomplish something. And the cumulative effect of that decision is what led me through life. In 2013, you expressed support for the legalization of assisted suicide for the terminally ill. Do you still believe in assisted suicide? I think there's a time that your life is about to end and that there is essentially a spot where there's nothing more that you can do to help others. I know that God wants you to not intervene in the life plan that you have. And I will agree with him on that, but I do think that realistically there is a point of life where there is little need to progress from that day forward. Okay. For over 50 years, you suffered from that terrible disease. Do you think that there's any way you could have accomplished any more with your life? I don't see how you could have, but how do you feel? I think that you can always do more. But in my case, as I look back, I think that I pushed every day to its extreme. So I would say that, no, I probably did as much as I could have done. Stephen, do you think there's any hope for human evolution in the future, the way things are going? There's always hope. Humans have the ability to learn, and they have the ability to be scared. When I was diagnosed to live two years, I was scared. I studied what I had to do, and I did the best I could, and I wound up living another 50 years. When humans understand that they're truly going to wipe themselves off the planet, I think that they will truly react. But it is going to take something like that to make them understand what is taking place. Yeah. Do you believe man has made any philosophical advances in the last 2,000 years? And if so, what do you consider the greatest advances? I think that the greatest advances that man has made has been in education. God has let them understand that there's much to learn. He has shown them much how to learn. In many ways, man has not advanced. They still steal. They still kill. They go to war. but. You have to have great faith in man, something God created them so they, have, they, they cannot be all bad. So do you think humans will exist long enough to travel the stars? That's an interesting question. There's a distinct possibility that they'll be able to do it. But if they're going to, they're going to have to learn to get along. The same energies that let them travel the stars are the same ones that can, can ruin their evolution. So it's, it's totally up to humans. Stephen, thank you so much for joining us again. Do you have a final message for us? Yes, I would like to thank you once again for allowing me to come through. I would hope that people remember my life, 
I hope that they remember the example I tried to set for others. And I hope that individuals go out and try to live good lives, setting examples. They don't have to be suffering from terrible illnesses like I did, but they do need to understand that life is not simple. Life is incredibly complicated. You're sent back to help others. You're sent back to learn. And you're sent back to follow the words of God. You may not have believed you'd ever hear that from me, but that is the way it is. And once you get back over here, you will totally understand that everything is is God's world. When you see the incredible multi-dimensions, all of the, the opportunities your soul has, you will be truly amazed. So thank you for allowing me to come through. And if you want me back, I'll be happy to do it again. I think there's a very good chance of that. Thank you so much, Stephen. Okay, next week's Halloween, we're going to have a guest that has witnessed true evil energies, and he's going to tell you the true stories about him. These aren't going to be made-up stories. Sean Whittington is an exorcist. He's dedicated his life to fighting true evil. Tell your friends about him. I guarantee that if you want to understand a little bit of scariness at Halloween, Our show next week is where you want to tune in because it's all going to be true. I've released my 10th book, Modern Messages of the Archangels. It's available on Amazon. It's on my website, barrystrom.com. tells the story of 20 different archangels. It's the stories that they speak, the truth. If you want to understand exactly what goes on around you, then I would suggest that you think about purchasing the book. I would like to thank you all for joining us on the Voice America Variety Radio Network this morning. Please tell your friends about our show. As I may have said once or twice before, the word of mouth is the best advertising. If you'd like to see more of our channelings, as Barry said, we have 520 videos covering all aspects of the afterlife on our YouTube channel, which is in his name. Okay, and I'd like to thank you for putting up with us. I know we haven't been able to have our show the last two weeks, and I guarantee you that COVID is really a very, very bad disease. It's We're far from being over it, as you could tell by the coughing and a little bit of choking going on. But I think we have the wonderful messages of these great spirits to us to you today. So please join us each Tuesday morning, 9 a.m. Pacific time. We're here on the Voice America Variety Network. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Spirit Speak, exploring the afterlife with Connie and Barry Strom. Tune in next week for another informative and inspiring episode on the Voice America Variety Channel at 9 a.m. Pacific Time.